0: This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Always great to hear
1: the death metal master blaster himself, Eric Rutan, doing the show promo there. The conversation, though, that you've tuned in to listen to features Sullo Sullivan from the Melbourne outfit Planet of the Eights. Now, the catalyst for the chat is the launch of the brand new EP for 2021. It'll be out later this year. It's called LaGrange Point, volume one, and I've heard the first single, holy fire. It is very good stuff indeed. Solo and I were chatting about all things to do with our careers prior to launching into the conversation about what's happening with the band. So you'll hear that transition occur. Here he is, Solo from Planet of the Eights. So from IT to gnarly slabs of Stoner Groove, there's quite a gulf between oh, yeah. the two mates. So, so how do you how do you manage? Do you just switch off when you when you stop uh,
0: working? Yeah, man. Like that's playing music is and has always been, probably always will be my kind of outlet from reality. You know. The, yes. We rehearse. We rehearse every Monday, and doesn't matter how bad the Monday itis is. Hmm. You know, we get in get in, we set up, we have a bit of a chat and a smoke, and then we just play. And mm. the whole the rest of the day just washes away, just being creative.
1: That's such a good idea, having your your principal rehearsal, from the sounds of things, your own rehearsal on a Monday. It just sets up the rest of the week nicely.
0: Yeah, yeah, it tires me out. <laughs> you know, I, mean, yeah. I get home at like 11.30 or something, but it, it's, it's rejuvenating. Even after a, a weekend of gigs, we'll often still rehearse on the Monday just to kind of keep that momentum going and it depends on what we're doing if we're Mm. preparing for a tour or you know pre-production stuff like that
1: yeah, so, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so I haven't he- I haven't heard the EP yet, and I understand it's called LaGrange Point Volume 1. Killer name, by the way. I love the ZZ Top reference there, if, if, if it is or it isn't, but I sort of took it that way. But, uh, but look, Miller, who I know has kindly sent uh, through the single Holy Fire, and I've got to say, I've listened to it rather a lot. You actually made my July music show without even... Knowing that we would yeah. potentially have an opportunity to have a chat, so uh, ten points for that one there. I, I like it. I like what you're doing here with Holy Fire, but then I'm a I'm a massive Kaius fan, and Fu Manchu. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, well, I mean, when I hear music that's an analogue of Kaius, I'll give it some time. And what I mean by that, it's far more than just the stoner thing. It's that mixture of laid back groove. Heaviness, crushing heaviness, which you've got, and melody. Yeah. So you've got yeah. all of those things. You've got all of those things in spades. So would, would you say that Holy Fire is indicative of what the rest of the EP sounds like?
0: Uh, elements, yeah. It's it, this, what you just described with the groove and the heaviness and the melody. This is dripping in it. The whole EP, um, with a few surprises. Mm. So, and you know, we we're fans. We're fans of Caius and Queens of the Stone Age and everything that's kind of come out of that that desert scene. Um, but I'm similar. I when I hear things that are a little bit outside of what the norm is in the stoner rock scene, where you know there's particular melodies, or uh, I'm attracted to particular singers as well. Um, yeah, I just it gets a bit more of a listen.
1: Mm. Yeah, when you talk about when when you mentioned that you're attracted to particular singers, is it in that Josh Hom vein? And I know he's Queens of the Stone Age and not not Caius in terms of his singing there, but um, is is that the sort of singing that you tend to gravitate toward? Because I I didn't find your singing too reminiscent of
0: it, actually. I think you've got your own thing going Uh, on. I I think, yeah, I think I've stumbled onto my own thing. Um, Mm. I am a of what Josh does but I don't emulate it very well and I don't think I'd want to mm. I, I like the fact that he's got a sound and I like the fact that uh, Greenleaf's got a sound and of's and got a sound And it, you know Nick's, Nick from Elders not, I wouldn't consider an amazing singer sorry Nick mm. <laughs> but um, there's something about the quality of, of the voice that, that helps portray the song mm. and I think yeah Josh does it, you know. It, it's it's it does in certain bands, and I and I find they kind of click with me a bit more, and probably influence me a bit more. Yeah, I'm
1: with you there. I, I always found that uh, Caius or well, my opinion is Caius would never have worked unless John Garcia was fronting the band, because a lot of people have sort of said, "Oh, well, you could have had Josh front it." It's like, no, his voice sound suits his music. John suits yep. Caius in that regard, and it's it's the the formula. Is a, needs to be refined, doesn't it, with this sort of music? Because there's a lot of space between notes at, at times.
0: Oh, yeah. I do like to feel things, but hmm. just, the, just because of the music we played offers up a lot of space. The, um, hmm. yeah, Kaius wouldn't be Kaius without John Garcia. That's absolutely true. Hmm. Um.
1: Yeah, kill the bandit. No, you're right. I've I've had a chat to John, and he's just a cool guy too. Very very different to what I thought he'd be, actually. Um, yeah. He he even made a joke of it. He goes, people sort of expect him to be tripping over beer cans and stuff when they meet him. Instead, he runs a uh, he runs a veterinary clinic and in, in the Joshua Tree Desert, I think, with his wife. And he's very, it, yeah. yeah, he's very much a hands-on parent that he was telling me to the point where he's locked down the internet from his children. Not in a weird cult leader type of way, but he's just he's concerned about a lot of the shit that they get access to constantly. And I've got to say, I've got two daughters, man, and holy shit, it's it's a brutal. I,
0: ha- gr- I don't man. have any kids, but and I feel that it's a weird and not safe place. <laughs> It's just, yeah. it's it's just you know where
1: it's not you know where where the most where the biggest menace is with it is the addict, is the addiction part of it. So I'm not even thinking that yeah. pedos and shit are trying to contact my kids or anything like that online. I think it's impossible given the apps they're using for that to be the case. But it's it's the fucking addiction, mate. Holy moly! You and I grew up with Game Boys and Game Gears, and I'm, I'm assuming you know you're about my age. Yep. But um, all that. But they, weren't addictive. but they weren't
0: addictive, were they? I don't think. Well, I used to have to spend a day programming a game out of a magazine onto a cassette tape just to play the game. You know, So you do that once, you play it a little bit, and then you go, okay, well, it looks like a nice day outside. Let's go do something. Um, yes. Yeah, the, the addiction of, of the internet and, and just technology and devices you know, who doesn't have a phone these days? Who doesn't have it in their pocket right now? Mm-hmm. Well, within arm's reach. I know. I was
1: just thinking that, and I'm as guilty of it as every other adult out there is. You know, but and I don't necessarily believe that it's our fault as consumers either. I think the sons of bitches that write the code for this stuff in Cupertino, Silicon Valley, they know what they're doing, man. They've made that as addictive as it possibly can be. Well, there's
0: the whole industry in. Um, Engagement. So, yeah, of yeah. course. So, and I, I you know, take going yeah. back to Holy Fire, I kind of yeah. I think, I think there's some slight leaning in towards that territory of, you know, what's going on? Um, we're in a pandemic. That aside, that aside, just the fact that information is in our face all the time and mm. we're being told what to do and we're being fed what to do. And Holy Fire comes across to me like it's an escape from that. It's, a, it's finding a different path. And for Death by Carrot, who, who performs that song with us, mm. KC, that's their life. They're out on the road right now doing as many shows as they can while, the borders are still, while some borders are still open. Oh, we're coming um, back in, aren't we? Yeah, yeah unfortunately. But yeah, yeah. They're, out, they're out on the road now, but, are they? Yeah, they're, they're in, I think they're in South Australia um maybe in WA by now so p- pandemic aside their their goal is to be out on the road and bringing bringing riffs and stories to the people all over Australia hmm. and that's their escape from the noise and the you know all that w- that we we kind of throw into internet communication these days
1: yeah, nice work. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, getting out on the road, bringing the music to the people. I've made this point so many times; it's almost redundant now on the podcast. But um, heavy music, like what you're doing here, you know, it's it's our it's for people like you and I playing live. It's the fire pit, isn't it? Going back to our tribal roots, if you like. It's how we reconnect with who we are spiritually, and without it. And I think this is what's happened through the pandemic. Pandemic. That's why I, I wasn't a fan of those. Um, those, you know, those collaboration oh, videos, stuff like that. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the collab videos and stuff. There. I mean, I know people have got to, these bands have got to do what they've
0: got to do, but nothing beats live, you know. And uh, yeah, we 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 crossed that bridge and we went well. We could look into it and do the technology, and we we're fortunate that we had a bank of of writing that we've been doing, so we got to demo all that. But. Mm-hmm. We, we just decided that, look, I don't think we can capture the vibe of our show, of our performance. And while it technically could be cool and interesting, we just weren't really into it. Mm-hmm. So we decided to not pursue that. And, and we demoed and recorded this album, this EP, plus, you know, there's another four or five tracks coming in the works for, you know, there's another recording coming out later in the year, hopefully. Cool. And then we've got Album 3, so, you know, get to writing while we can, and we'll be back on the road when we can.
1: Well, I love that your presser states that you made a big point of using your music as a vehicle for bringing people together across the country, across borders, and the big one, across astral planes. So I like that. I like that. (laughs) I like the way you framed it, you know, because... You know, in a way, we we all as as died in the wall music fans. We all do have a psychic connection with each other to a lesser or greater degree, don't we? Because you find yeah. that it dominates whole parts of our
0: lives. Look, so I I can we're playing, and I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'll probably have my eyes closed, and I can still feel the connection of the people that I'm playing with and in front of. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, there's there's an energy that that we create. And it's bounced back off the people that that, uh, that we're entertaining because you know, we're entertainers. Mm. I don't know another experience that's like that. No,
1: I don't either. I can't think of anything else that connects people the way that music does in terms of uh, a cultural thing, something that's brought about through yeah. the use of art, if you like. Uh, nothing is like music. Yeah. It's just the thing that we all seem to have in common, and, and I've made this point a lot too. I've featured some bands, black and death metal bands from Saudi Arabia on the show. And yeah, cool. my point about heavy music is, and I've, I believe I'm right in saying this, but, but please feel free to add your two cents after I say it, but uh, heavy music, extreme metal, including you guys, everything under that broader banner, it's the only style of music that crosses all social, political, cultural religious and class boundaries. Because as I say, man, there's a death and a black metal band and a stoner metal band in just about every country on the planet, if not every country on the planet.
0: That's absolutely true.
1: You know that? And jell o said that years ago.
0: I don't know if... I don't have to get out much to see shows. Yeah, we're in a pandemic. Oh, not but lately. I, <laughs> Usually, <there's> yeah, a, <laughs> but not lately. There's a, there's a lot of metal and all the subgenres of hard rock and heavy music in australia and we don't exactly have you know the australian music scene isn't exactly what's the word uh it could be better Hm is my point now a lot of those a lot of the bands in australia are metal bands i i I spent my 20s in Newcastle and it was more metal bands per capita than anything else. You know, it's, it's blue collars, steel city, mm-hmm. you know, people like the hard rock and, and further. So not that surprising, but I seem to notice wherever we go in Australia, if you look up, always try and look up other local gigs, what's going on, and especially when we're trying to book stuff. Um, there's a lot of metal and a lot of, a lot of hard rock and there's a lot of really good stone-armed, like doom at the moment. So much. Can you name some? uh, Last Last weekend, I went and saw Khan. uh, Khan and um, Grey Mantis, which are more of the psych rock element of things. Um, But, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we played Down at the Bendigo with Full Tone Generator and Mother Slug. You know, we've got Desert Through to Doom and they're all great bands, and right now, they're pulling crowds because people want to go out. <laughs> mm. You know, if we can, we want to go see music. So that's cool. Have you
1: guys played the the festival that happens in Alice Springs? I can't remember the name of it. I think is it was a... Blacken, Blacken or something?
0: Blacken, that's the one, yeah, yeah. Blacken, yeah. Uh, no, we'd definitely be keen. And if I got the call tomorrow, we would probably work out how to do it. Um we're very much keen to do some outdoor festivals. We've been, we've been speaking to um, just the local bands in the scene down here about trying to find a paddock, you know, a bit out of town. Yeah, just set up for the weekend, get a generator, you know, no bullshit, just music and nature. Cause yeah, that'd, be, that'd be nice. Yeah,
1: that's killer. Well, I was just thinking of Black and, I mean, no other band that I'm aware of in Australia could go on just as the sun sets and the stars appear and there's that red red tealets you know that that deep red that's yeah. in the outback from the sun and then you guys go on stage I mean that's that would just be glorious uh, New life goal <laughs> right there right there yeah yep, right there killer yeah what about oh, I'm a miso too so I tend to get fascinated not in a nerdy way about the gear, but um, especially being a bassist, I, I play Galleon Kruger. And um, mm-hmm. I'm looking at a picture here of yourself uh, with your uh, arm resting on a PV bass head. It looks like a mammoth thing with your 8x10. So that's your go to rig? Uh,
0: yeah, PV Mark IV um, from the 80s. And I use a 610 most of the time, I think, uh-huh. that photo, I think that photo we're recording, so it, yeah, I had access to an A-10. Mm-hmm. Um, only because it just doesn't fit in the car with, uh, with all the drums and everything else. <laughs> Once I get a van, but that'll be a different story, that's when the A-10's coming in. Um, but yeah, that, that TV Mark 4 is, it's a cheap amp. Like, I think I got it in a 15-inch box for like three, $400, hmm. and it's indestructible. And it breaks up nice. Like the, I run pretty hot. I run a like a I don't know twelve thirteen dB boost um, off my board into the amp, and it just soaks yeah. it up.
1: Is that yeah. right? Twelve or thirteen decibel boost? Wow. Yeah, that's how you get you, the distortion. You know, you talk about breaking up, but the but that's how you get that grit
0: that you've got. Yeah, that's, yeah. We're a three piece. Yeah, and I've played in a few three pieces in my time and you've got to push the mids and you've got to be gravelly so that when the guitar rhythm guitar drops out you've still got something to kind of hold on to so yeah. Yeah. yeah my sound just is variances
1: of that <laughs> so you, you you figured out what Jack Bruce understood
0: 50 or 60 years
1: ago whenever it was that more is more
0: <laughs> oh yeah we've got a sticker that says uh, sometimes less is more, but more is always more. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually when
1: I hear people say less is more, it's usually because they can't play this stuff, but you can play, I can hear that. So how, how did you, Thanks, did your sound evolve or is it one of those things where where you basically picked up the PV and you went, I like the sound of this, it's obviously solid state, which I think is always the best yeah. thing to go for with bass? Uh,
0: look, you know I'd go solid state because it's just easier for bass for guitar. it wouldn't even consider it hmm. and I can't carry around a forty kilo s v p head I could, but you know <laughs> getting old the um the p v I'd, I'd heard and played it a couple of times throughout my life and just never really. I don't know. I, I did about ten years as a guitarist solely, playing in a whole bunch of different bands. Hmm. Um, then I moved to Melbourne, and then kind of yeah, just got back into playing bass. Um, so my sound kind of developed, a transitioning out of being a guitarist back into a bass player. That's where I started out. Um, so <laughs> you know, my first bass rig was my old hundred watt. Bayers, Australian-made Bayers, hmm. valve head, and a 410, and it did perfectly fine for a year. And I happened to have a base because we I picked one up in the states or we were on a tour there a couple of years ago. And you know, uh, pedals as far as that goes, I just had what I had. I had a couple of boosts and I had a, a fuzz and some. I've got more delays on my boards than's probably necessary, but it's <laughs> got its it's got its moments.
1: Yes. When, when you said you moved from, um, or did you move from, say, regional Victoria into Melbourne or elsewhere?
0: Uh, I was, uh grew up in Cessnock, which is about 40k out of Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did my, up until my teens in Cessnock, teens through late 20s in Newcastle. And then I moved down to Melbourne when I was about 28, I think. Just for music? Four years ago. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a good time. It, for me to move out of Newcastle at that point for a couple of different reasons, but I was on tour down here um, with the previous band, and we were just sit- sitting at a pub in Fitzroy, some do- weird little dodgy bar called I think it was called Landgo Bar, and we we're just having a good time. And shit, why don't we move here? Like, what, what's holding? What's keeping us in? At the time, Newcastle and Sydney, we were split up between those two cities. Hmm. So. It just always felt comfortable when we came down and played Melbourne. The crowds were always better. There was more going on. It just, yeah, it was what we needed at the time. Mm. So, yeah, I've been here what twelve, yeah, twelve years. I don't know. You're still a Knights Again. fan though. Sorry,
1: you're still, I'm still a Knights fan.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't have any kind of strong feelings towards NRL. You <laughs> um, must have been a Belfast. We yeah. In well, Cessnock, we, had the John, yeah. we had the John's brothers in Cessnock. Um, they were yeah. like the, the heroes of the town. And I don't know. Uh, back in the people that were into it at that time, when I was an impressionable teen, wasn't really into them. So I was kind of looking for other things. So footy and you know, at the time, footy and Guns and Roses weren't my favourite thing. I've I've learnt to uh <laughs> I've learnt to enjoy both of them. Um but yeah, I was kinda of rebelling against what was the norm in Cessnock and that was just a whole bunch of footy footy heads. Yeah. And that's cool. In yeah. in retrospect, that's fine. Um but at the time, yeah, I was looking for other things. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, well,
1: uh, again, I've long said Melbourne is the epicentre of live music in Australia. It's, uh, it's It tends to be the bedrock, doesn't it? The bigger bands have always sort of come out of Sydney, uh, you know, ACDC or In Excess. I know they originally came from Perth, but they made their mark in Sydney, Midnight Oil, this sort of thing. But uh, yeah, yeah. Chair too in Newcastle too, I suppose. God knows what yeah. happened to poor old Daniel Johns given his very erratic appearance on uh, on Denton that time there. I still I still think he's one of the most talented frontmen that we ever produced. I'm talking about as Australian, you know, but he's just lost his way. But uh, I'll never forget reading an interview with him in pedestrian TV or watching a video. Either way, it was on pedestrian TV. And uh, he said that he, he didn't want to lead his life. And the only thing he was ever known for was silver chair. And I thought, you have no idea how hard people struggle to actually... Yeah. Obtain even a, a hundredth of what you take for granted with music.
0: Yeah, look, you know? I I don't know the guy, but I definitely feel foreign. Newcastle's a a tall poppy town, um, and when you were that young, yeah, you know who, who's who's giving you the guidance, who's got the understanding of being thrown into the deep end at the age of fourteen, fifteen. Um, who knows how to navigate that? So yeah, it's almost a bit kind of like a. Yeah. yeah, I feel like he's, he's, he's done probably pretty, pretty well, and hopefully he's sorted out whatever's preventing him from being creative. Um, because, mm. yeah, he's a great songwriter, great frontman. Oh, just natural frontman. He's like Michael
1: Hutchins. You watch both of them, completely <laughs> different frontmen, but you watch both of them. It's like you were born to do this. There's nothing else in the world you were ever going to be good at. In, the, in there, terms of great just there's
0: a a, yeah, there, there's a quality in musicians, mostly I guess we know it's in front men, that they're captivating no matter what they're doing, and they could be doing nothing, but the way they're doing nothing on stage just makes them completely engaging. Mm. Now, I, don't, I don't think I, I have that quality, I wish I did. I think we collectively might, <laughs> but. So yeah, Daniel has it. Um, yeah, Hutchins definitely had it. Yeah, it's the star quality. Yeah. That's
1: what it's called. You know, I know what you're saying. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a, being a musician. I'm workman like when I get up there. I don't have that star quality, and I, I never, I never really sort of aspired to have it. To be honest with you, not that if it was, if I didn't have it natively, I wouldn't have minded. Because God knows, you know, it's a wonderful <laughs> thing to get. But but you know what I'm talking about. You're yeah. up there doing it. Yeah, you're I me. You just yeah. want to make your point and bring your music across to people, and if you can do that, it's a success. Exactly. You know, so... Yeah. Yeah. Hey, just going back to the EP then, sorry. The, the You've got a bunch of collaborators on here. So you've mentioned King Carrot from Death by Carrot, and uh, yep. also on the EP you've got uh, Diesel Dolman from, man, one of the best-sounding, one of the best-named bands I've ever heard, Dune Eater. Um. Jim uh, Coley I think his surname is Jimmy Coley with from Gazillion Angry Mexicans yeah another great one yep and Georgie Cosson from Kitchen Witch so are are these are these mates of yours or how did you pick people who you wanted on the EP these
0: these are a snapshot of the quality of this scene the bands that we've played with and becomes friends with and we go to Adelaide we try and play with Kitchen Witch hmm um you know, we've been on the road with with uh, a gazillion angry Mexicans. Uh, we've done shows. We did a dual album launch with Eater. Um, You know, we've played a bunch of shows with Death by Carrot. We unfortunately didn't get to finish that part of the um, the the tour before COVID. Kind of shut us down. We're supposed to go to Queensland and do a, a bunch of dates with them. They're mm-hmm. just they're just great examples of of the quality of this scene they're great songwriters and great performers in their own right and they each brought different things to different songs Mm. um and i actually and we got to write them in different ways so jimmy jimmy from uh, mexicans lives around the corner we got to do some face-to-face writing and, and got into my studio and you know nutted it out as a song and as a story and that came out with babe wolf now that didn't start out anything like that so the premise of the whole EP is that COVID hit and we'd already reworked a track from tourist season because we recorded 12 12 drum tracks but only put seven on the album. Um, The other five became this EP. Mm -hmm. So we had the songs there and for whatever reasons, they didn't get finished um, for tourist season. And when COVID hit, we were like, "Well, let's just finish them, and let's get other people in to to help." Because I'd struggled. I'd I'd struggled to finish the song from a lyrical and melodic point of view. Mm-hmm. So, who do I call on? Well, damn, let's let's just pick who who are we working with at the moment? Who's who? Who are we vibing off? Yeah, you know, we knew the kitchen. Which album was coming out? We had had a good vibe about that. Um, you know. The Mexicans have been working on stuff. We've got another project going on with Junita. It, it's just an amazing time to be around with those guys and creating music. Yeah. So the songs songs individually came together. So KC basically took the music from Holy Fire. He didn't even listen to what I fumbled out with vocals and lyrics. He just wanted to have his own approach to it, which I respected, and then he just came back with this mega <laughs> mega melody and it hmm. reversed part of the song like he, he, was, he put a verse where I was putting choruses and I went oh man of course that just makes so much sense um, and then we got to work on the harmonic content of it and we you know, tweak the lyrics and all that kind of stuff hmm. so I found it a really, really cathartic process as far as a songwriter goes because I'd, you know, I'd previously gone through 12 months of writer's block
1: Oh wow, okay.
0: And then came came out of that to put together tourist season still had stuff left over from tourist season that just I couldn't get I couldn't finish. Yeah. So bringing them in was great and now we look at it and we go well it sounds like Planet of the Eights with some favourite peoples. Yep. (laughs) Um, And maybe we'll do this again. So it's quite liberating when we're writing now because if, if we're writing and it's like well maybe this isn't something that we we're going to do for Planet of the Eights album 3 but maybe we'll keep it for the Grange Point 2 or 3 or yeah and
1: yeah well I can't wait to hear it uh, as I say I've only heard Holy Fire from uh, the song that Miller sent through but um, yeah. is it when's it going to be
0: released? Uh, August 18 because we love our 8s 18th day of the 8th month, 21. Nice. Um, there's also another mix of... Uh, so Exit Planet we did with um, with Diesel, and that was released for a, uh, a fire appeal. Remember the fires back in yeah early 2020 and late 2019? Yeah. yeah so yeah. that song's actually on that already. They can hear that already, um, and the other stuff will be out on the 18th.
1: Well, look forward to it, man. Yeah, it's. I like what you guys have got going on. Yourselves and Dr. Colossus, actually, I had a chat to John. John Um, John is cool, yeah. Yeah, well, there's just, we're living through, I'm not one of those people, even though I'm 43, I'm not one of those people that thinks metal was better back in the day. I think it's better now, I've got to say, because I'm enjoying more bands now, I can tell you that. Yeah, cool. There's, um, you know, and to your point there that you made about Australian music too there's just so many killer Australian bands these days so I went to see that that fucking what was it called that Australian music festival with all the bands from my youth oh god it's not a sound wave what was uh, it called you know the one I'm talking um, about <laughs> wasn't one of like Day on the Green Things with like no, regurgitator was... and Tumbleweed and yeah it was that one and... but I can't remember what it's yeah. called but half of the bands pulled out so of course because of COVID what was going on with COVID but uh it yeah. was up here at Sandstone Point and it was freezing which is, which is near Bribie and uh it was so cold. I reckon I got exposure that day because of the wind, man. But, but it was, I, I don't know. I'm not, I like, I love Regurgitate. I'm not shitting on any of these bands at all. So please, anybody listening, I'm not shitting on the bands at all. Spoken to Ben, Ben's a killer guy, you know. Yep. Um, but let's get the new shit. Let's listen to what Planet of the Apes have got going on and Dr. Colossus and uh, this sort of thing, you know. Let's create new memories, even as adults, mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure.
0: Like, okay, a couple of points in here. A, a lot of people that I meet at Planet kind of the Eight shows are into 90s Australian rock and that whole broad 90s music that was happening in Australia, hmm. um, which I think is helping now because the Stone and Doom psych scene is still quite diverse. So Mm -hmm. as was the 90s, 90s, anyway, that's point A. Um, Oh, shit, I forgot the rest of it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It sounded like it was going to be good too. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, one of my biggest kind of concerns of things that we could have (laughs) done during COVID, because we're going to be looking back on this for quite some time ago. I probably should have got fitter. I probably should have done this. Yeah. Probably should have learned how to play guitar. Um, The Australian music scene had a great opportunity to go, cool, well, let's just become all-inclusive. Let's max out our Australian quota. And, you know, who's going to be touring first? Australian bands or international bands? Hmm. So, let's, get in now, promote Australian music. Don't don't do a music month. Let's do it a music year. COVID 2021-22. Let's see out the rest of this by increasing the Australian quota across the board so that we can create that scene, so we can create that vibe and we can be doing, not nostalgia shows, we can be doing full-on rock and roll festivals with Australian content. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll get some international in. I, don't know. I kind of feel like that could have happened. Some somebody, somebody, obviously not me, because I'm just an ideas man. I don't have, I don't have enough to get up and go. But you know, somebody could have made that decision.
1: Yeah, you know, I do think Dice is putting on some great stuff. I just haven't been just with kids and stuff. I haven't been able to get out. Just you know, working and all, the, all the usual stuff is what I'm saying. Um, but yeah. to your point, if it's a little, if there's a little bit more of it. That's that's probably what we need. I, I would love to – this sort of mean. People sort of – they're very backward-looking about things. Oh, it's better back in the day. It's like, well, we weren't around back in the day mm. in the late 70s and early 80s when, you know, Mondo Rock were playing and stuff. Like, I love Mondo Rock now and I've played this stuff a million times. But, like, I can go and watch YouTube if I want the old Golden Oldies experience, but I want to – like your point there, like these um, Dead of Winter festivals, but imagine if there was – one every two weeks and I don't know whether it's overkill but getting people out of their living rooms and communicating again away from phones and forming bands at shows this sort of stuff you know like I I remember I remember I met a guy I didn't join the band but I met a guy at a Mr Bungle show I know it's an Australian band but the point is I met him at a show and we got talking and turned out he's a guitarist on a bassist and he invited me along to have a jam with him and we did it. We just didn't have a lot in common musically so it sort of didn't happen. But, you know, you've got to meet a dozen people like that before you find someone that, yeah, you get along very well but also too you've got chemistry within a room, within a rehearsal room and that's a good place to be able to do it rather than online. But we're a digital society these days. It's part of my bit of a, a lament, I suppose, that I've just sort of said there. But, yeah, man, imagine that every no, fortnight. Man,
0: I get yeah. it. I get it. We, you know, we we've, we've been lucky down here that we've been able to play a couple of shows this year, hmm. and playing's been great, and the crowds have been great, but also hanging out with other musos talking shit, that's been pretty good too. And hmm. I'm not saying I've started a new band, but we banter around a lot of ideas, and uh, yeah, you can't you can't get that out of music classifieds and. There. No, no, that can't. Yeah, More, more music sounds good. don't think it can be bad.
1: Very, very true my man. So mate, just to wrap things up, can you tell people whereabouts they can go first and foremost to purchase your shit because that's very important. So, to support you guys by parting with their hard-earned and receiving a product in return and also your social's presence.
0: Yep, so the ethical consumption of our music can be uh done through Bandcamp Uh, we have t-shirts and vinyl and the album will be available uh, to purchase through there digitally Uh, we will be pressing it to vinyl Uh, that'll the lead time on that is quite long at the moment Um, it'll be out before the end of the year and then it'll be out on all streaming services that you can possibly think of as far as I can tell Um, iTunes uh, Spotify Deezer out out of Europe uh, it's a lot easier to reach people that way these days. But, yeah, if you don't want to just stream it, you can also buy it.
1: Yeah. Buying is best for underground bands. If you want to listen to, you know, the golden oldies, as I said, by all means, Spotify, Apple Music and Deezer or whatever else there might be out there. But uh, bands like yourself, I think, you know, it's – it's. I don't look at it as charity at all. I just think it's nice to support you guys by way of buying a T-shirt because you do have killer art too, by the way. Congratulations on that front. Yeah and uh, and and supporting you via if you've got cassettes or vinyl or, or CDs you know whatever it is that can sort of keep you guys going and keep you, keep you in business I encourage yeah, everybody out there to do we, that
0: you know that's, uh, we say the ethical music consumption of music you know we talk about um, Spotify is a great platform for finding music hmm. but if you're into it go and buy it yeah 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 Because nobody's making any money out of that stream. Even if you play it every day for a month, even if it's your favourite of songs, and you would, you know, you would gladly hand over your hard-earned cash cash to go see them at a festival or something like that.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Very true, Well, Mate, killer chat. Thanks so much there you have it that conversation featured solo from planet of the eights if you enjoyed that one you can check out plenty more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com i've got a new website coming hopefully soon i don't know when it'll be ready but uh today's date being saturday the 17th of july 2021 it should be a few weeks out from now my name's andrew mckay smith and i'm the host of the scars and guitars podcast i'd appreciate it if you could like subscribe share and all that usual bullshit. In truth, it does help. I don't like saying it because it sounds like spam, but, you know, we've got to try and beat these social media algorithms or at least work within the the fucking things and try to spread the word about conversations with people like Solo and uh, so many of the other leading lights in extreme metal, heavy metal, rock music, and beyond. Again, my name's Andrew McKay-Smith, And I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in.